So good to have you with us today. I am so excited. You know, um, we've been rattling some cages in the spirit world this week, and I just know that God is up to something. I know, you know what, there was a time before when uh, I spoke out against religion and the spirit of religion, and um, and and something happened uh, in the physical when I did that, um, <laughs> and I got so scared that I stopped saying it. <laughs> um, and I, I just felt this morning, um, as we were praying, as we were worshiping, that God was saying, "Don't back down, don't back down." It's necessary for those demons to hear the lordship of Jesus Christ and to hear that He is the spirit of this place. He is Lord here and that we will obey him. We will follow him. We will pursue him and we will speak against everything that quenches him. We will contradict everything that he comes with to, uh, to, to, to clamp us down, to bring death back through, you know, um, uh, religious thoughts and religious mindsets. And so I just want you to know that uh, every time you pray with us against a spirit of religion that you know we're going to stand and we're going to see jesus glorified in this place he is lord amen not man's traditions yeah and so sometimes i know it 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 gets rough when you uh when you start to you know addressing things in the spirit world things in the physical that are kept in place by the spirit world you know, you start you start rattling those cages, and they 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 retaliate. And so, um, I just want if anybody is feeling slightly discouraged, if anyone is feeling a little like clamped down, etc., I really believe that that is a spiritual effect. It's got nothing to do with reality right now. You are just experiencing pressure pressure from the spirit world that wants to steal your joy that wants to steal your peace but thank god we live in the kingdom amen where the kingdom of god it's not about what we do what we think how we you know the 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 rules the regulations no it's about right thinking righteousness which starts in our minds that's why we have the helmet of salvation so we don't see ourselves as you know uh, pitiful sinners anymore we see ourselves as god's redeemed we see ourselves as the righteousness of, of god in christ jesus and then it says it's about righteousness peace and joy we can live in the midst of these matters with peace and joy in our hearts that he is in control and he is on the throne and he will break through and he will overcome. And we're going to speak about that some more today as we've been talking about a series called Build Your Church, Build Your Church. And like I've said before, for us, this is not a command or an assignment that, you know, we rally together. Hey, let's build a church. No, this is for us a prayer. It's a prayer. We're coming to Jesus because we acknowledge what Matthew sixteen nineteen says when he spoke to his disciples and asked them when who he was Simon Peter answered you are the Messiah the son of the living God and then Jesus said blessed are you Simon for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood but by my father in heaven and Jesus said and I tell you you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church Jesus Christ is building his church amen he's building his capital C church the global body of Christ uh, we're still the fastest uh, you know faith on earth that's growing it's but he's also building our church here y'all he's also building our C He's building the, the small letter C the, the lowercase C church and all the local churches in town who would care to, you know, pursue him and pursue uh, growth in him. He is there to help us build. But we also see that he says, you're Peter. And on this rock, he associates Peter, whose name was Simon. He associates him with the son of the living God. He says, look, I'm going away one day. 
but I'm going to leave behind a gathering of people through whom I will build my church. Who, who here is a living stone being built into the house of God like I am? Come on, everybody's hands should go up. We're all living stones being built into this, into this house called the body of Christ. And then it says this, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We look at heaven and we see what is reality there. And we declare that that will become reality here. We pray our Father, the, 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 the Lord's Prayer, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. As it is in heaven, so here on earth. Amen. And so God has given each of us a very particular role that we are to participate in, partner with him in building his church. We have our, pur- our purpose and he plays his role. He builds the church and we make disciples. And we've been talking about just what it takes for us to be a church. What kind of people, what kind of attributes does it take for us to be those partners with Christ in building his church? And last week we spoke about freedom. It takes freedom to be those partners that allows God to build the church. Not allows, but that participates in the co-laboring part of building his church. And we said in Galatians 5.1 that freedom, it's for freedom that he has set us free. He desires each and every one of us to be free and not to be held back by anything, not can we move along with those slides? Because I'm like, I think I'm like four slides in already. There you go. That's Galatians 5. Uh, what's that one? Galatians 5, um, 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. God wants us to be free of a whole bunch of things. Listen to last week's message to to just uh, refresh your memory. But God wants us to dominate this world. He wants us to rule over sin, but also over every single substance that might come to try and subject our will to it. That's physical substances, that's mental substances, anything that makes us want to obey something other than the Lord. And if we learn how to walk in that freedom, like John 8.36 John 8, says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We will participate in the building of Christ's church like we've never before. Everybody say this, right believing leads to right living. You will never be truly free until you give yourself fully to Him. Look at me. You won't find yourself by going and look for yourself in the world. You find yourself when you give yourself to Jesus. You find yourself when you find God. You see yourself fully the first time, the minute you see Jesus. You look into his face and you realize then what you were always meant to be. That's how you find Christ. It's also true that we will never be more connected Sorry, it's also true that you will never be more free until you're fully surrendered to God. But it's also true that you that the more connected you are to God, the more fruitful you will become. Today we're going to talk about fruitfulness. Chuck just spoke a little bit about fruitfulness. But it takes fruitfulness to build a church that will change our world. It takes every person to start bearing fruit. Because fruitfulness glorifies our Father. In fact, he says in John 15, It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I I affirm that encouragement from Chuck this morning, that God wants us to bear fruit. He wants each and every one of us to bear fruit. But it's it's fruit that he wants to, to, to use to show the world that we are his disciples. 
If somebody looks at your life, can they differentiate between that and just any other person? Can they see that through, through your actions, through your, through your words, through your love, that you are in fact a child of God? John 15, 16 says this, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit. Sometimes we think, yeah, maybe that's that guy's job. You know, that's the, you know, this, this person or that perfect guy. You know, he can go and bear fruit. No, no, no. If you're in Christ, you were chosen. You were chosen to go and bear fruit. It doesn't matter who you are, what age you are, how many mistakes you've made or not made, how young you are. It doesn't matter. You have been chosen by God to go and bear fruit. And then it says this, to bear fruit that will last so that whatever you may ask in my name, the Father will give you. I'm talking about connectedness. The more connected we are with God, the more fruit bearing we will be. Psalm 92 says this, Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will yield fruit in old age. Come on now. There's no, there's, there's no expiration date before death. It's true. If you still have breath, you still have purpose. And you are still called to bear fruit. You're still, bear to, you're still called to bear much fruit. And you're still called to bear fruit that will last beyond you. It says here, they shall be full of sap and very green. I'm thinking about the word sappy. I think God wants us to all be real sappy. You know? He wants that, that greenness to just like, uh, some of you might feel your bones aren't that green anymore. But t- let me tell you this, okay? The more connected you are with God, and we talk about how that connection word works today, the more the sap, the, 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 the nourishment and the, 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 the movement of the Holy Spirit will empower you to bear fruit still in old age, to bear much fruit, fruit that will last, fruit that will last even beyond you. Jesus said to the woman at the well in John 4, 14, But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The water I give him will become in him a spring of water. A spring of water. How many of you have been at the, the eye of a river? How many of you have seen where the water just bubbles out of the ground for no reason? It's because below there is a spring. And you know what that spring has? It has a lot of water, but it also has pressure. Because it's coming up. It's coming up. It's bubbling up. It's bubbling up. And you know what? As that stream comes up, at first the eye, around the eye, it depends on you know, the, the, the geography around it. But normally there isn't a big river at the eye. A, a lot of water at the eye. It starts small maybe. And it, and it, and it kind of just bubbles out of the ground. It might be a little marshy, but eventually it becomes a river. And it has strength and it carves away and it brings life. People start making houses next to it. People want to have farms close to it so that they can use the water to you know, water their crops and everything. It brings life. The water God wants to give you will become in you a spring that starts welling up to eternal life. I think of it as not necessarily just the point where we become born again and we have eternal life. But it becomes a refreshing entity within us until the day that we finally inherit eternal life it means that for the rest of my life i will walk refreshed 
because I have this spring, this well of water that is bubbling up on the inside of me. Jesus said, the water that I give you will make you not thirst again. How many of you feel thirsty at times? We need connection. We need connection. Connection with God through His Holy Spirit. Listen, for Christians, normal is fruitful. Listen to me closely. For Christians, normal is fruitful. If you're not being fruitful, if there is not a welling up of the nourishment and the sappiness that is working through your veins, that is producing fruit, something is not normal with you and with your walk in God. And, you know, sometimes we we see, um, uh, you know, that we feel like we're going through a dryness. Okay, how many of you felt that you've walked through a wilderness before, right? right? And so we, we say, man, I'm just going through a dry season right now. It's like I'm in a winter season. There's not a lot of growth, right? And, and, and I can't see a lot of, you know, on the outside. And it's like I am just dry on the inside. Let me tell you this, that this is not how God wants you to walk through dry seasons, there is a place where we sometimes walk through wildernesses. We walk through challenges. We walk through enduring uh, hardship. And it feels like we're in a desert. We're wandering in the desert on our way to the promised land. But let me tell you this, that there is a psalm that I want to read you just now that, that helps us understand that even though I walk through a challenging period, even though I walk through a time where it just feels like, man, everything is dried up, I can still live within a space where I am not dry on the inside because I have got a well of water that is springing up on the inside of me. I have refreshing on the inside of me that keeps me going, that keeps me healthy, that keeps me green and sappy, even though I'm walking through external dryness. How can I say this? Well, it's because our internal, our internal uh, um, uh, condition as Christians aren't determined by our ex- external circumstances. It is not. You and I do not have joy because things are going well. You and I do not have peace because everything is working out. No, you and I have joy because we have internally received a kingdom that supersedes whatever else is going on on the outside and keeps us in a condition of peace and joy, regardless of what we're experiencing on the outside. Because Jesus has placed water on the inside of us that has become a fountain that has become a well that is welling up that is nourishing us that is watering us so we can continue to be strong and healthy looking even though around us things are falling apart maybe even though around us it feels like man i'm walking through a desert you do not need external sources of entertainment or acknowledgement or you know uh, uh, um um external sources of um, of refreshing because you have a source on the inside of you that you can start tapping into for refreshment and that'll keep you going until one day you get to that place where around you the external starts lining up again with the internal psalm 1 verse 1 to 3 says this blessed is the man 
who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Think about this. There might be seasons where you think, man, I'm not bearing fruit. But you don't have to wither away in those seasons. Because if you are meditating on God, if you're connected, you are connected to a source that can keep you green. That can keep you flourishing in the midst of external pressure. That can keep you strong and keep you hopeful. But so often we lose that connection because we've learned more to be, deter, you know, to be um, uh, uh, depended on our external environment to be fine for us to be fine. Rather than realizing that Jesus wants to give you something on the inside that can keep you fine no matter what you're going through. That can keep you strong no matter what you're going through. It all depends on our connection to God. Let me say something about worship today. Worship is not merely a way for us to start our Sunday service. Worship is our connection. It's our invitation to intimacy. It's our invitation from God to say, come, come and connect with me. Come and be with me. Come and pour out all your concerns to me so that I can refresh you on the inside. There is a refreshing that many of y'all aren't tapping into because of the way you approach worship. You think if it is more like, you know, me coming to sing nice about God. Let me say this to you. There's a big difference between me talking nice about someone and me looking somebody in the eye and telling them from the bottom of my heart that I love you. There's a big difference. Me telling you, hey, I've got a great wife. And me looking into my wife's eyes and saying, there is no one like you. I cannot do anything in this life without you. There is a massive difference between you talking nice with God, singing nice about God versus you looking spiritually into the eyes of God and telling Lord, you are my everything. I love you. I can do nothing in this world without you. I am here to worship you. I'm here to adore you. Take everything, all of my concerns and all that. I put it aside. Why? Because in light of who you are, that's just nothing, Lord. All my heartache, all my hurt, all my concerns, all my anxieties, I can come and I can just put them aside. Why? Because of the greatness of who you are. I worship you. I worship you. Let me tell you this. Worship is not just about singing. Worship is looking into the eyes of God and telling him how, what you feel for him. It's Worship is bowing your heart before him and tell him that you submit to his authority. If you have not bowed your heart to him, you have not worshipped yet. You may have sang about him. You may have maybe, you know, um, said good things about him. But you have not worshipped until you've bowed your heart to his authority. Until you've submitted to his leadership. You have not worshipped. You have not worshipped until you've knelt before him. Maybe not physically always, but in your heart and in your will and in your emotions. Come before him and pledged yourself to him. Lord, I am yours. I am yours, use me, take me. And there's that beautiful song, the potter's hands. Take me, mold me, use me, form me. I give my life into the potter's hands. That is worship. When you bring yourself to him, not when you say good things about him. I want to challenge you, church. 
We need to start worshipping our King. We need to start worshipping Him because He is worthy. He deserves our worship. He deserves our allegiance. He deserves our pledges of being true to Him. He deserves our pledges of service to Him. You haven't worshipped until you've bowed before Him and pledged your all to Him. It's by the Bible called paying lip service to Him, but their hearts are far away from me. I don't want us to be a church that just comes and pays lip service to God. If your heart is not in it, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Because God wants us to connect with Him. He wants us to be in that intimate place with Him where we can look Him in the eyes and really say to Him, Lord, I really, really love you. I love you. I want you to close your eyes for a second. And I want you to see God's face, however which way it looks like for you. I want to ask yourself this question. I ask you to ask yourself this question. Can you, with everything in you, look Him in the face and tell Him that you love Him? Or is there something holding you back? What's holding you back? Is it sin? Is it condemnation? Is it shame? Or is it just awkwardness? Whatever it is, He wants to remove that today. Because He wants to hear from your heart, you declaring your undying love and affection to Him. That's what it means to worship Him. John 15 verse 1 to 5 says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can, can you bear fruit unless you remain in in me i am the vine and you are the branches if you remain in me and i in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing let me ask you a question what makes a plant grow is it not water and nourishment we think it's ground or soil or dirt no it's not the dirt just contains nourishment <laughs> that the plant happens to need. You know you can plant, you can grow plants in, in, in water without any dirt. It's called hydroponics. And there's massive industry developing around that where you know, people are growing uh, massive you know, pro, uh, uh, you know, quantities of produce, farm produce, you know, uh, uh, vegetables and all that without putting any plant in any piece of soil ever. It's on stacks of, you know, um, uh, conduits and, and feeding pipes that lead into pockets where the plants are sitting in water. And then all they do is they make sure that that water contains the kind of nourishment that the plant needs to grow. You and I need nourishment and we need water to grow. And if you can receive that today, it will be symbolizing the Word of God and the Spirit of God. But let me say this to you. You can put all the nourishment around a plant. If there is no moisture to transport that nourishment into the plant, there is not going to be much growth. 
You and I need food and we need water to stay alive. In fact, we can survive longer on just water than we can survive on just food. Amen. And you know, all throughout the, the Bible, the, the, the references of water refers to God's Spirit and how God's Spirit is, is, is the, the transporting device of God's truth. The Bible says in John 16, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He brings the nourishment to us, but He, he places that nourishment into our hearts in the right places so that we can grow. Without the Spirit, we have trouble. Without the Spirit, we can, we can, we can try as much, with as much knowledge as we want, but it won't get the job done. When I was in high school, I was on a camp and the guy taught us this. He said, if you have all word and no spirit, you will dry up. If you have all spirit and no word, you will blow up. But if you get the word and the spirit, it makes you grow up and bear much fruit for God. We need the word, but we also need the spirit. The spirit of God is what helps us with our connection. He's what makes God tangible to us. He is what makes God real and, 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 and some, 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 something that we can depend on because we can experience him in our hearts. It is necessary for us to not take the spirit of God and push him aside and say, I don't need this. In Luke 24, and then in Acts, I'll, I'll quote that one later. Um, Jesus is saying that, you know, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. And then he tells them to wait in the city until they've been clothed with power from on high. And he spoke this in reference to the Spirit that was going to come, that he was going to pour out on all flesh. <laughs> Jesus knew that they would not be able to fulfill that task. They would not be able to be the church without the Spirit of God, without the power that they would receive from the Spirit of God. You know what? You and I need that moment in our lives as well. Every single Christian needs that moment where they really truly wait on God to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I know we receive the Spirit as an indwelling presence, as a seal that guarantees our salvation one day because of our faith and grace in Jesus Christ. But those disciples believed and Jesus said to them, go and wait because the power needs to come. And I'm just so convinced that that the, the mission of God is driven by the Spirit of God. We need the Spirit to produce fruit. Fruit comes from connection, not from effort. Listen to me, fruit comes from connection, not from effort. Even fruit, the fruit of freedom, even you wanting to be free of things that you're stuck in, it comes from connection, not from effort. It comes from God. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6 to 7 gives us an understanding about our human partnership with God in, in the gospel. It says, well, this guy called Apollos, he was a preacher of the gospel. And this guy Paul, they were both. And people started, you know, you know distinguishing between, well, I, I, I heard this from Apollos. And well, well, but Paul said this. And Paul sets the record straight. Listen. It's not about Paul or Apollos. It's not about, you know, different church leaders' viewpoints. This guy plants the seed. This guy pours water on the seed by reiterating the truth about that seed. But God is the one who gives the increase. God is the one that makes growth happen. And I believe it is through His Holy Spirit that 
that is able to transport that nourishment, that truth to the right places where it should bring victory, where it should bring breakthrough for us. There's a need for us to make time. And so when we're singing, <laughs> I will make room for you. It's really not because we're, you know, just, just like to sing things like that. You know, <laughs> it's so absolutely because we need to make time for the Spirit of God to work in our hearts, to speak conviction to us. To, to, to lead us to things that we need to repent of, but also to affirm us in the things that you know, He wants to tell us about our sonship and to, and, to, and to just encourage us. We need those moments of quiet, of contemplation in His Spirit, where we hear the voice of God say, I love you, you are my daughter, you are my son, I'm proud of you, I'm excited about you, you are not going backwards, you are going forwards, you can do this, the enemy thought he had you, but Jesus says you are mine, Come on, what a moment. We need that. We all need that. And it's God who gives the growth. It's our connection in the Holy Spirit that transports the nourishment to our spirit man so that we might grow, grow and break through the things that we've been trusting Him for. You need the Spirit of God to become fruitful. Because fruit is sometimes way more than we think it is. The Bible calls us to be fruitful in three areas. The first is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the character of God. He wants us to grow in our character. Galatians 5.22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy and peace and patience. It's kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many of you know? <laughs> in, of us, in and of ourselves, we're not producing that, y'all. <laughs> We need the Spirit of God that will produce these fruits in us. If it's up to us, I can probably put the opposite of each one of these words in there, and that will be our natural inclination. But when the Spirit of God comes and our connection with Him comes, the fruit comes as a result of connection, not of effort. Let me try. You can try your best to produce patience in your life. You ain't never going to produce no patience in yourself. Why? Because patience is not of the human nature. It is of the Spirit of God. You need the Spirit of God. You need to receive Him, cherish Him, connect with Him, uh, uh, fellowship with Him, and allow Him to lead you and to guide you. Allow Him to, to fill you, to overtake you. And as you do that, the Bible talks about that as being a spiritual well that gets dug and that gets opened up and that spring that starts welling up and it starts refreshing you and it starts encouraging you and it starts moving you. It starts motivating you to do things that you never thought you could do. Listen to me. You cannot have regular Bible study without the Spirit of God motivating you because it's not of your human nature to constantly confront yourself with the truth. You need the motivation of the Holy Spirit to step into that word and for it to transform you into his likeness. We need the Spirit of God. It's our motivation. It is our driving force. The character of God gets produced by the Spirit of God that leads. The more you submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the more you'll produce the character of God. The second area that we need to become fruitful at is, is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The church needs the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The body needs us to minister to one another. It's for the, like the Bible says here, it's for the common good. It says in, 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 in um, 
1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, there are varieties of gifts, but of the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but of the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers uh, them all in everyone. I want you to say this. I have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit has filled me. You have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit has filled you, you don't have to work for it. You don't have to, um, you don't have to qualify for it. Your salvation qualifies you for it. But there is a place of waiting on it. There's a place of pursuing it. Right? And so uh, sometimes we, we get afraid of the, the Acts 2 verse 4. When the moment happened, they were all filled, the, the, the first disciples, filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Sometimes we get so confused. and get so, you know, uh, like taken aback by that thing. But, but let me read some of the other gifts for you. If that one scares you, how about this one? To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Which means it will be good for all of us if we can operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. For one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. Another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. How many of you know sometimes you just need somebody with a gift of faith next to you? That just tells you, look, this is going to be okay. It's going to work out. I know the reality that's stacked up against you. It's all the odds are not for you, but God is going to come through for you. Sometimes we just need that person that does not sit under the pressure that we're under. That can tell us, look, this is going to work out because God is going to make it work out. This, 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 this gift of faith that, that is you know, given to us by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. Man, I can't wait till we get out to, to our, our next you know, juncture where we can have our testimony day. Where we're going to just have some people testify about miracles that God has been doing in our people. Uh, through people in our church. Gifts of healing has been flowing, y'all. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each of us individually as he wills. That means he is apportioning to you something, not nothing. Which one of these are you pursuing? If 1 Corinthians 14 starts off by saying that we need to pursue the spiritual gifts which one are you pursuing? If the tongues is too scary for you just now, which one are you pursuing? Let me encourage you to pursue prophecy. Bring words of encouragement, comfort, and exhortation to people. The body needs that more desperately now than we've ever had. For people to bring words of encouragement. Words, you know how encouraging it is to somebody when you walk up to them and say, I know what you've been going through. This and this and this has been happening in your life. And I'm here to tell you that God has got this. He's going to bring you through. That's what a word of knowledge is. How encouraging is that to somebody when they know God told somebody else about them? How encouraging is it to you if somebody would come to you and say, listen, you're, you're, you're wondering about whether you should do two things. You have this decision, you have that decision. God is saying, I believe that you need to focus on this side of the matter. How encouraging is that? When somebody comes and blesses you with such wisdom, a word of wisdom, which is by the Holy Spirit, a gift given to that person. Hey, um, hey, Devin, could you just move away from the plug there for me, friend? We already lost that last time. Um, sorry about that. I just, I just don't want to lose my sound again in the middle of the service. We need to become fruitful in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
He has given that to us for our good. And you know what? When we're dry, it's because we're not accessing the nourishment that He has given us. He has given us these amazing gifts. Let's pursue them. But it takes for us some, to have some time with God. To connect. Say, Lord, which of these gifts are you wanting to use me in? And then starting to learn about them. Stepping out by faith to try and do that. I am so proud of Natalie this morning. How she stepped out in prophetic singing. How many of you were encouraged and comforted by the, the word of, of, of prophecy that she brought this morning? Look, we think of prophecy as being like the Old Testament. New Testament prophecy is different. New Testament prophecy is revealing God's words of comfort, encouragement, and exhortation that encourages us to step in line with His truths. It's not judgment. It's not, you know, thus saith the Lord has to, you know, have shaking hands and all that. What she did was prophesied over us. And it brought great encouragement. It brought great encouragement to me to this morning as well. That's what God wants to release over all of us, y'all. And it'll be refreshing. And it'll bring that well that springs up and refreshes us no matter what we're going through or how tough it is on the outside. The third place of, of fruitfulness that God is really wanting us is in the mission of the Holy Spirit. The mission of the Holy Spirit. You know, in Acts, when the Holy Spirit was introduced, He was always connected to the witness of the gospel, to the making of disciples, and to, and, uh, and to the ex- expansion of God's message to the world. Listen to what it says here. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 8 it says, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. In the account in Luke, he says, Look, you are going to be witnesses of everything that you have seen in me. But first, you have to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come on you. The mission of the Spirit, the mission of the gospel is driven by the Spirit of God. How many of you are always just naturally inclined to want to uh, tell people that they need to get saved? Let me tell you, that there are a select few people. In a group like this, about a, almost 100 people, you'll maybe have one or two or three people that are naturally inclined like that. Like that. The rest of us, we need the Holy Spirit, y'all. <laughs> we need the motivation of the Spirit of God to drive His mission through us. And the more connected we are to Him, the more we will be fruitful. The more we will produce fruit in witnessing, fruit in offering to care for people, pray for people, talk to people about where they are in their relationship with God. Acts 2 verse 42. Listen to the lifestyle that the church embarked on as they engaged um, you know, life after, the, after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit was, was, was brought out. And, and listen how these things come about, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, how they, they, the character of God, how they, they walked with one another, cared for one another, uh, were patient with one another. Listen to how the gifts of the Holy Spirit operated and encouraged them all. And listen to the mission of God f- finding its fulfillment in the lifestyle of that early church. In Acts 2 verse 42 it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer let me say this something let me say something i just i just need to tell you all something that, that that's been going around that needs to be that needs to be corrected you are not the church we are the church you are a believer but the church by definition is always a gathering of believers 
It is never you on your own out there, just you and Jesus. No, you are a follower of Christ. Yes, you're a believer, but the church by definition, the ecclesia is the called out ones. It's the gathering of Christians. There is no church without gathering. It, it, it's just not. And we need to get past this idea that I can serve Jesus out there on my own. You can't. He designed you to be in community, to be in fellowship. He designed you to be the ecclesia, which is the gathering of Christ. It is a coming together in Christ, with Christ. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. All of that talks about corporate thing. Yes, you can pray on your own, but the prayer referred to here was prayer together. Prayer with one another. They, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. The gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation brought such wonder and adoration and comfort and encouragement to people. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property possessions, gave to everyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. Again, they met together. They met together in big gatherings in the temples. And they broke bread at their homes. And they ate together. Operative word there being together. With glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. What does that mean? They interacted with people. It wasn't just them. It wasn't just them and my, me and my family and I'm privately serving Jesus. No, they were public. They were out there living their faith out amongst the people that you know, they knew were, were not of Christ, that were not believers, but God gave them favor with them because of how they lived among them. And then it says here, the mission of the Holy Spirit fulfilled. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let me tell you, if we're going to build a church with Christ in this region, we're going to have to step in touch with the Holy Spirit. We're going to have to really start reaching out to Him and start connecting with Him in a deeper way than we have. We need the nourishment. We need the refreshing. How many of you need some refreshing? Come on now, I've been needing refreshing. We need to step into that place where we're saying, Lord, we make room for you. Come and have your way in my heart. Look him in his face and tell him, I really do love you. I'm really thankful for what you've done for me. I want to pledge my service to you. I want to pledge my life to you. My life is not my own. It belongs to you. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my leader. I follow you. Everywhere you go, I will go. No matter where you send me, here I am, Lord. Do it. We all need to step into that place. That's how we build that connection with him. And then we need to say to him, come, Lord. Come and spring up in me a well. I'm crying out to you. I need your refreshing. I need you to well up on the inside of me unto eternal life. I need your encouragement. I need your comfort. I need your advice. I need your counsel. I need your people. I need you, Holy Spirit. Because being faithful is not enough. We need that Holy Spirit to empower us to step out and start, you know, encouraging others to, 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 to think about their place in God. 
to come with us to experience God where we come to experience God. Whether that's at our life group or whether that's here at the service. We, we need to start becoming that witness, that voice in their life that says, come, 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 come. God is wanting you to come. God loves you. Come. God wants to know you. Come. We need to be that voice in people's ears that constantly reminds them that God wants them. God has a plan for them. God is in love with them. People out there don't hear it unless you and I say it. They don't read their Bibles. <laughs> you know, they hardly read the billboard that says, you know, there is truth, call this number. They ignore it. They know where it is now, so they look away. So what can't they look away from? You, because you can move, right? It's like, no, 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 don't look this way. I still want to tell you that Jesus loves you. Wait, 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 before you go that way, hold on, hold on. I've got something to tell you. Jesus really still loves you, no matter which way you look. He's going to be there telling you that he loves you. That he wants you. That he wants you to be a part of him. He wants you to come. So come. Come sit with me. Come join with me. Come do with me. Come whatever, but just come. God wants to move through you because for God, being faithful and being missional will result in us being fruitful. Being faithful and missional results in us being fruitful. And that is what he is calling us to. I want us to stand this morning and we're going to make some time right now to, to just do some of this. And we're not looking for, you know, um, we're not looking for external things. What I'm looking for is I'm looking for hearts that want to connect with the Holy Spirit. Hearts that want to connect with God. That cries out, Lord, come. Lord Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, come. Kathleen, won't you start just ministering to us right now? Holy Spirit, we're here and we're not going to go just yet because we want to we want to take a minute to just to just be with you, Lord God. We really want to be with you. God, we know you know everything about us. We can't hide anything from you. When I said that, some of you, rem- some of you immediately remembered the sin you did this week. <laughs> Let me tell you, this ain't about that. Your sin has been dealt with on the cross. Put that behind you. You're a son. You're a daughter. Put that behind you right now, and connect with your Father. He wants to embrace you.